Welcome back to the United Pubcast. Now, it was a nice early kickoff, a 9.30 kickoff for us here in Sydney against Brighton. So everyone was um, nicely, firmly planted on the couch with a beer and some crisps. Now, Larry, how did you find that Saturday night? You'd think a nice, easy game against Brighton would be quite standard, but um, it is a Premier League match that will go down in history. Hey, mate. Yeah, it'll definitely go down in history. Um, not for the reasons that we would have hoped as United fans. It's, uh, I definitely enjoyed the early kickoff for once. It was nice not to struggle to wake up, but boy, um, you still got the nerves going because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the status quo, was it? Well, I think I was... Look, the, the performance was bad. I think when we get into the performance, individual performances, socialised management of the team, everything will have to be with a little bit of context. But I was quite, not optimistic, but quite positive because after the result, which we'll get into, so many people were just... Ah, yeah, well, we didn't deserve that. Brighton deserved it. Brighton hit the post five times. But I think it was one of the most, as I said at the start of the podcast, one of the most historic games or in terms of historic moments. Like, since when do you win the game literally after full time? And I was absolutely buzzing. It almost had a PSG feel like to me, that late penalty. And I log on to Twitter after the match and everyone's going, oh, God, we've got to be playing better than that, though. It was only against Brighton. And I thought, I thought it was an unbelievable moment. And I was absolutely buzzing after the game. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like, that's what football is all about. I mean, at least from uh, my perspective and your perspective, like, even when you don't play well, it, it's about enjoying the wins and riding the roller coaster. If we had to turn up and, you know, wake up at 3am every morning and we're winning 6-0 every day, or every game, sorry, you're not going to enjoy it, are you? Like, I, I enjoy that, the roller coaster that comes with being a, being a football fan. And, of course, you'd like to see a more dominant performance against the teams that you should be beating, but... Nonetheless, when you get the result, particularly in that fashion, you just got to sit back and enjoy it and take it for what it is. No, I enjoyed it immensely. Like To be honest, I was probably about maybe six centimetres from having to go to Harvey Norman and buy a new TV um, throughout the sort of gist of the performance. But that um, the 97th minute onwards was absolutely joyful viewing. But we'll get into the team selection. And again, a lot of us were, maybe not just so, everyone was obviously hoping for Eric Bailly to come in. But it was a little bit more than hope. I think a lot of us probably expected um, Eric Bailly to come in over Victor Lindelof, but it was obviously Lindelof. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on the selection from Solskjaer? Yeah, surprising. Um, I did expect Eric Bailly to come in. Um, he did perform well midweek, uh, but it was just one of those where, from what we've seen from Solskjaer in his time, is when a player performs badly, he's almost willing to give them another chance before he sort of wipes the floor with him. Uh, so maybe it was a warning sign to Lindelof. Perhaps the, that's where the comments about Bay Midweek are actually coming from, um, in a hope to actually motivate Lindelof to play well and to say, you know, your position isn't safe. If you don't have a good game here, uh, you would be under threat. Now, whether he took his opportunity or not is up for debate. Um, but yeah, that was a weird one. Other than that, I thought the team was... Quite strong, to be honest, um, and probably the best that we could have put out there. Well, you say that you say the best we could have put out there, and probably both in both our opinions, our best player is that our best option at the moment in Paul Pogba. Where do you want to discuss this angle from in terms of the position he's playing because he's playing quite deep, or do you think just his selection in general? Who do you think should be playing Pogba or Van der Beek simply from a fitness point of view? This is a difficult point because. The only way Pogba can get match fitness, which is clearly lacking at the moment, and match sharpness is to play games. Now, 
I think there's just... Uh, the, obviously, his status as a footballer does come into account here, rightly or wrongly. When you have... I'd say he's the second highest paid player at Manchester United behind David De Gea. Um, he's clearly a respected player in the dressing room. When you put all those things into account, um, let alone the player himself would want to play, I think you just have to kind of let him play through these periods, and I think that's what Oli's trying to do. He's brought him off, I think it was around the 65th minute or so. Uh, last week against Palace, he's... Uh, taking him off around the 80th minute on this match so he's trying to build up his match fitness um, in the Premier League as opposed to going for say a League Cup game which I can understand however to your point uh, Van der Beek has looked sharp um, when when playing so there's definitely an argument to say you should be starting the Dutchman I don't disagree with the selection of Pogba I think if I was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or in his shoes I'd be doing the same thing but should his performances not start to show an improvement um, then for sure there will be a case to say you know you have to put Van der Beek in the side well we'll get into well obviously discuss Pogba and Van der Beek when we discuss uh, obviously this is a Brighton review but obviously the Brighton preview at the end of the podcast our next game is against Brighton but in the League Cup we'll discuss on the selection of those two but in terms of the performance as a team there's no hiding from the fact it was poor it was poor from back to front everyone was below par Somehow we managed to get a victory, which he cannot complain about. But we just mentioned there from an individual point of view, Pogba's not being match fit. I think it's clear the team's not fit, and that's not a criticism at all. If we're still in like our what second or third week of pre-season, really, if we're going by a full football calendar, so you can't criticise the players for that. But we are getting so much criticism from both fans and the media that we're not good enough at the moment. But you look at Leicester City ran over Manchester City today. City are at the same stage as us. They're completely not fit. You look in Germany, Dortmund lost to, who they lose to? Augsburg to Hoffenheim smashed Bayern Munich by four goals. And Bayern Munich had the same pre-season as us, completely disjointed and no training at all. But we, we give those clubs a pass, but United have to be sort of on the ball straight away, and it's just not possible. Um, just your thoughts on the reaction to United's um, sort of lacklustre performances so far? Yeah, I think in uh, regular circumstances, I'd be a lot more critical of the football team. Um how I, I just I do take on board every point that you've made, and I agree with all of them. Um, that that's the problem. I mean, normally when we come into a season, and this is easy for people to forget in the moment, our preseasons are huge. We, we've normally played close to ten games before you get to the Premier League opener. Um, so when you take into account for a lot of these players, like Pogba, n- uh, no no trial game, like he's just gone straight in against Crystal Palace. So he's played two football games. He's not getting the preseason. They don't have time to do conditioning because of how late they finished the football season. And I can see the argument that people might say, uh, you know, they only had a two-week break off. How can you lose your sharpness so quickly? But that's the difference when you're playing at the elite level. Um, when the opponents you are facing have had two or three trials and are able to start their season a little bit earlier, had that extra week or two rest... These are the fine percentages. I mean, during the regular season, Tom, we see it. Any team in the Premier League can beat anyone else on any given day. That's why we watch it. So when you take those one, two, three percenters away, it just makes it a whole lot harder. Manchester City, perfect case. Um, so I think when you look at it in a holistic point of view, um, from the results you've mentioned with City and Bayern Munich and Dortmund, you have to say it's a, it's a good result that United got. For sure, I think they will improve in the coming weeks and they need to improve, but we just have to take it for what it is. You talk about at this level, right, in terms of the Premier League and the Champions League and everything, 
And so many of the arguments from fans are going, well, it's Man United against Brighton. We have better players. The fitness shouldn't really come into it. But at the elite level, the margins are so fine and we don't ever give any respect to the opposition. I have to tell you, what is the difference between a Man United and Brighton player? There is absolutely no difference. The difference is the Man United players have a famous badge on their shirt. The other players still have two legs, two arms and a football brain. There is absolutely no difference. Okay, just we expect more from the other team. That's that's a fan's expectation. That's because they're in the media. That's because they're paid a lot more money. They're still a footballer. And the Brighton players, if we were to buy a Brighton player, let's say, who was the player who gave us a lot of trouble? Let's say March or uh, that Trossard guy. If we were to buy him, you'd assume it would cost 40 or 50 million if Man United come into town. So suddenly they have a 40 or 50 million pound player in their team. That's a good footballer. That's someone who's going to trouble other professional footballers. So I think we do need to give a little bit of respect to the opposition. So we've just seen Leicester smash five goals at uh, Manchester City. We've seen a Steve Bruce team um, manage a result against Tottenham. No, no matter sort of how controversial the circumstances was, that is what happened. And I think we do need to give a little bit more um, respect to some of the opposition players and opposition teams. Look, I, I, I got nothing out of that. I, I 100% agree. Um, and, and like you said, um, I think, yeah, Tossard had a really good game. Um, I mean, we'll get into our team's performances. I think United didn't help their own cause with some of the performances or lack thereof from um, some of the defenders. But look, what, everything you're saying is a good point, and that's the fact. It's just it's such a competitive league that those one, two percenters, it's making a huge difference. So nothing else to add there, but let's just hope that the performances continue to improve over the coming games. Well, on the performance, look, again, there was no hiding. It was a poor performance. I was, I thought the main issue with the performance was just the players looked simply colourblind to me. They were just simply just passing the ball to the wrong players. It was nothing down to tactical or mistakes. It was just literally like they were just picking the wrong player out in terms of it's like pressing the wrong button on FIFA. Like you accidentally pressed the wrong button. And um, So just your general thoughts on the actual performance. Do you put it down to the players and just a combination of everything we've mentioned in terms of fitness and sharpness? Or do you think it's maybe a little bit bigger issue, which what a lot of fans are trying to portray, that it's Solskjaer not sort of having a tactical approach to the game to break down a team like Brighton? Yeah, I, I think I lean towards the former, Tom. I, I think you just have to look at the body language of the players. They just look off the, they look off the pace. Um, I, I don't think there's an effort issue. And to be honest, with the way Brighton set up, it wasn't any different. Uh, they only, they did start to play football. And in fact, they ended up with more possession than us. But United actually oddly sat back where we've actually, well, under Oli at least, we've seen this high press. So that suggests to me already that Oli has identified the team's not quite as fit as he needs. And that's why we were sort of sitting back. But And again, like these are good footballers. You allow them to play football they're going to play football and they're going to hurt you. Um, and look, I don't think our defence is the strongest as it is. So I think it's just a matter of building match sharpness. And I think you will see a gradual improvement. I mean, if I look at Paul Pogba's performance in isolation, he was better than he was against Palace, no doubt about it. So if we're looking at it from that perspective, you just have to assume that the that will continue with the rest of the squad. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll just see that upturn in performances. But yeah, it was very like last year. Um, passes going all over the shop, um, just no cohesion in that midfield whatsoever. And the right-hand side, geez, like, Wambasaka's known for his defence, and we can discuss him, but it was a shambles. Well, but on Solskjaer, both of us are firmly in the sort of Oli in Solskjaer in camp. But there's such a big presence at the moment, and make what you will of it, if they're kids or if they're idiots or if they're real fans, whatever. The fact is that it is their Oli out and Solskjaer out is a thing. 
and it is going to play a part. It does pile pressure on. But in terms of... I've seen that game so often post-Sir Alex. It's nothing to do with Solskjaer. I've seen Van Hal have those problems. I've seen Jose Mourinho have those problems. So they're two managers. If Van Hal and Mourinho were managing, say, somewhere else in the Premier League, obviously Jose is, but if he had managed at United, or if they were managing in Spain or something, and Solskjaer was to be able to get the sack, Solskjaer was to be sacked, we would look at Van Hal and Mourinho and think, okay, they're better managers than Solskjaer. Bring them in. But we've seen it under Van Hal. Can't break teams like West Brom and Norwich down at home. We've seen Mourinho lose to those teams at home and lose to Brighton away. So, again, in this Solskjaer in debate, it's a non-point for me. It's nothing to do with the manager. Obviously, the manager has to you know, take criticism and he does have an important role. But in terms of the issues our team is facing, it comes down to quality. And I look at the Brighton players and the Brighton players match us for quality. Yeah, 100%. And, um, I mean, t- taking a, into account, like, we are two games in at the end of the day. Um, and if you're looking at the results around us, like Manchester City got absolutely battered by Leicester. Are we going to call for Pep Guardiola's head? He's a better manager than Oli, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, you <clears throat> you can't make these nonsensical comments. And this is why I just don't get involved with, t- with Twitter debates. Um, people who want to have an agenda or look for an excuse will always find one. Um, I think we just purely need to treat it for what it is. Um, if the performances are like this in two months' time and we're mid-table, sure. Maybe you have a case. But until then... It's just early days. I mean, these guys are in pre-season as far as I'm concerned. Let me see how they're performing in about a month. And I'm, I'm sure they'll be firing. I'm, I'm confident of it. Well, it's a very distant memory. You can't remind me. Do you remember when we finished last season? There's a bit of a rumour that we finished third. It's like we finished 12th or something. Well, that's the negativity of the fan base, mate. And no one lives in the no one lives in the past, you know. It's all about you're only as good as your last performance, as the old saying goes. And... You know, unfortunately, in this social media dominant world that we live in, there's just always going to have a vocal, and I call it a minority because it genuinely is. Uh, the minority is always going to be more vocal. And I, I'd say most United fans would be all in, but unfortunately, while ever you have performances like we did, even when it's a win, it's just this, it's almost like an entitlement to say, you're Manchester United, why aren't you wiping the floor with Brighton and Hove Alvin? But it's simply not that simple. We haven't been that Manchester United for nearly 10 years now. We're just not going to turn up and, and win just before the game's kicked. We're not going to win on the team sheet. It just it, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, before we get into the goals, and sort of, it's been quite a negative podcast so far, but before we get into the positive and the goals, are there any performances from a negative point of view you want to just touch on briefly? I've heard you just mentioned there one Bissaka before, or anyone else? Oh, Tom, that was his worst performance in a United shirt. He was all over the shop. Um, his touch wasn't there, um, sloppy on, on the ball, um, defensively, just poor positioning. He wasn't having that renowned timing that we've seen. But again, I don't want to be too hard on him because it's just clear he's so short of match fitness and sharpness. Like it, There's not a lack of effort in his performance. He, you can just see it. He needs minutes in his legs. And I can I can see why he started Fosu Mensah last week. It's clear as day that there's a, that's why. He didn't even trust that Wambasaka could start. And yeah, he was a concern. Um, the defensive unit as a whole, you have to say it is quite concerning. Like, no one actually performed horribly out of that back four. But when you look at the nature of the goals we're conceding, you have to say it's quite concerning. And yeah, something needs to be, something needs to change there still for me. Um, well, on that, on that third goal, Wan Bissaka, and, and with Wan Bissaka, it looks to me not so much, and this does fall under the fitness umbrella, 
not so much of a fitness issue, it's just a sharpness. And he just looks like he's just four, one or two games behind where he needs to be. And that is something mm. which you definitely get. But in terms of, you just mentioned his timing. He usually times those tackles, gets his foots in. That's just not there. So I think I think Wan-Bissaka is fantastic last season. So you do have to give him the benefit of the doubt and let him get a few games. But just on that last goal, he got a little, lot of bit of criticism there. Lindelof, Bay, uh, Maguire, the centre-backs, when that cross came in, they all got a little bit of blame. And, and rightly so, that we needed to do better. But the problem for me in that third goal was Bruno. I thought Bruno was the one who switched off. He was, absolutely. Um, I remember at the time I messaged you and I thought, oh, you know, it was a soft penalty. And I, you know what? I do maintain that stance. I do think uh, the players made the most of it. But in saying that, um, it was Lamptey. Um, well, that, Fernandez that was the penalty puts... one, but the third goal as well, was the, the third goal, sorry, the equaliser for Brighton at the end. Yeah, no, you, you are you are right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you can say Bruno had the, the goal and the assists, but... Yeah, his performance as a whole wasn't. Uh, it wasn't great, was it? Yeah, well, I forgot about the penalty he just brought up. He was at fault for two of the goals then for Brighton as well. So, um, but we will get into Bruno at the end. But um, no other negatives. No um, French strikers. Look, I think Martial's perfect no matter what time he can do no wrong. But if I'm being honest, um, I just feel like he's also suffering from a lack of sharpness. Um, and I don't think he's been getting the best service in the world. There's, there was moments in the game where he just got the ball and got to run at defenders, and you know he obviously showed his class. But look, he was poor. Um, I'm not going to defend that. Um, but I do think he's, one, not getting the best service in the world, and two, I think within a few weeks, like the rest of the team, I think once he starts scoring, he'll, he'll put them in um, on a regular basis. I think we just need to be a bit patient because we know he's, he's definitely a class act. Yeah, no, no, definitely. There was one case where he had the ball and he just started dribbling and the ball just bounced off his, off his foot. It just comes down to a sharpness thing there. Um, I think there's nothing at all to worry about there, but we will get into the positives. And the first one, Maguire's goal. I, I, two minutes before the fantasy deadline, I put, I made a transfer and put Maguire in my fantasy Premier League team. I logged on and it said it was an own goal. That was a Harry Maguire's goal for me. Yeah, um, from my point of view, um, it was definitely a goal, uh, Harry's goal. But yeah, the replay was a little bit grey and I did recall commentary making a point of it. Um, it's a harsh one on the captain. I, I'm, from our point of view, Tom, I'm going to say it's his goal. It will be nice when we take that into account in the 3 two ones. I think. No, definitely. And someone who both of us have been very critical of in the past, but it's exactly what this moment is exactly what we want to see from him. A great goal by Rashford. First of all, the ball by Bruno, I think, is underrated. It was a very good ball. Uh, very well sort of aimed and sort of the weight on it. But the finish as well. And I thought when he cut inside, I thought I did scream a little bit at the TV when he didn't take the shot on the first time and he did bring it back onto his left foot. But um, who am I to judge sitting on the couch a million miles away? Um, he did the job and it was a fantastic goal. And it was the brought up the 10,000th goal in Man United's history. Yeah, um, that goal, that really showed a growth in Rashford's game for me. Um, really showed a sharpness and a match rhythm um, that we haven't really seen. Um, but that's for, I'll bring that point up later. But yeah, the goal was class. Um, and that's something that if you think of the Rashford that broke out into the United side, there's no way he would have been able to do that. Um, so yeah, it was fantastic to see. Good ball by Bruno and yeah, fantastic work by Rashford. Nice left foot finish at the end. Now, speaking of Bruno, he has some set of marbles on him there. That penalty at the end, like we talk about the pressure penalty Rashford had, the pressure on Bruno there for that penalty after full time, 
cameras sort of so cameras sort of zoomed in on him for giving away the penalty. Cameras in on Solskjaer. I, I couldn't imagine the pressure he would have been under. And um, it looked like it was just a training ground penalty. He just said, "Okay, I'll put this in the top corner. No dramas." Yeah, mate. Um, he's he's honestly got balls of steel. Like I reckon, like that man, his balls are that that fantastic, Tommy. He could make a baby without. You. He'll have the he'll have two condoms on, and believe me, his wife will still get pregnant. Those balls are well, something he does special. Have a few but kids now, so you know what, might, might not be wrong. Yeah, possibly, but um, no. Look, at the end of the day, fantastic penalty. Um, he's he's clearly practiced it, um, and he's he's just a winner. Like for all the faults we've said, um, in terms of. You know his defensive uh, frailties in this performance. It's all through effort and um, commitment. So look, great work to Bruno, um, and to do it after the whistle as well. Once you know you're composed, he actually, if you, there was some footage actually. He he sort of pulls himself away from all the carnage that's going on. Where you know Harry Maguire's obviously yelled at um, to the referee, and all the players are sort of getting in it. You can actually see Bruno's sort of walked away. Um, to compose himself. So, fantastic work by Bruno, and at the end of the day, it looks like it's working. Yeah, no, definitely. But we'll, we'll go in now to the 3 2 ones. It'll be interesting if um, any of us throw Bruno in there because he's had such an impact on the game, but also his performance was very poor on the other hand and almost did cost us the game when you look at the two goals. But 3 2 ones. Now, I'm going to argue for Harry Maguire for Man of the Match, which will probably piss a lot of people off. A lot of people won't agree, but um, I'm strongly in the Maguire camp. But are you. Favouring anyone for three points? I actually don't disagree with you, Tom. There's something wrong because we're normally at it uh, for the three two ones. But no, I'm with you. I think Harry Maguire's uh, definitely deserves the three points. And the argument could be, how do you give three points to someone when you've conceded two goals? They've had five shots um, that have hit the post. We should have gotten our, hand, our you know, we should have gotten our asses handed to us. But I thought he played really well, distributed the ball well. Um, clearly a goal threat. Um, and he's contributed or played a major part in two goals, whether you want to reward him the first one or not. So, yeah, I'm with you, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think, yeah, it was a very deserved three points for the captain for this one. Well, the Maguire one for me, as I said, I think he, his performance was good. But it wasn't so much the performance which I'll give him the points for. I think it was just just something about his overall contribution to the game. First of all, the goal. Okay, it goes down as an own goal, but for us it's his goal. The hand in the second goal gets the header on target. Okay, it um, gives them a penalty, but without that header, that doesn't happen. But I'm looking at a few things. Pretty much, well, Brighton got, it seemed like, 100 crosses into the box. We remember the ones that got through to the left winger who hit the post, and we remember the goal. Every other cross, though, Maguire hit his head and he cleared it. So I think he defended quite well. But you look at his reaction when they got the goal back to 2-2. He was devastated. He knew what was coming his way and the criticism that he was going to receive. The game was over, but he there he is pushing the team forward, saying, "Come on, we're still in this. Try and get another corner. Try and get the ball in the box." Once we do get that corner, he forces everyone to throw caution to the wind, gets in the box, and gets his head on it. And then not only that, when the penalty incident happens, look, I'm sure the referee probably would get a um, word in his ear anyway. But I think the the pressure from Maguire definitely sort of helped that process along. I think Maguire really got in his face and said this was a handball, and he was adamant about it, and rightly so. But he put a lot of pressure on the referee there to make sure to go and check this on VAR. And a lot of Brighton players were getting involved and Maguire really stood his ground and was getting people out of the way, throwing elbows to some of the little Brighton players. And um, I just thought a real, it showed real leadership there, which he has been criticised for. Yeah, and uh, that was the proudest moment I had from him in this game. He he just showed he was fitting off being a captain. Like 
to do it after the whistle, he could have easily just, you know, throw your hands up or not made it as big a deal of it. But he was animated, hell-bent on telling the referee, no, it's a handball, like you could see it in his face. And he wasn't going to let the referee walk off that field without going to VAR. And credit to him. Um, you know, that's signs of a, of genuine leadership. So for all he lacks in terms of premiership medals or accolades or anything like that, um, he's definitely leading in terms of his behaviour and the way he's carrying himself on the pitch. So full credit. Okay, now again, the performance was not good. So we will might, we will have to sort of maybe scrape the barrel a little bit. Any suggestions for two points? Yeah, um, I was actually going to say uh, Nemanja Matic. I thought he was uh, quite assured. Um, assured maybe defensively, you could say he didn't protect the back four as much. But I actually found that most of the midfield in the attack was getting forward quite a lot. I just think he adds such a much-needed composure to this side. We're, we're completely different without him. And sure, it wasn't the game where you'd say you can really see a clear influence here. But I think um, he was just... In what he did, I felt like it was just quite assured. He kept the team ticking over just enough. Um, I think it free he frees up Bruno particularly a fair bit. So um, I want to give it a Matic here. Like I said, I am kind of scraping the barrel. I think I'm choosing someone who was the best out of a bad bunch as opposed to, you know, choosing the best out of a good bunch. Um, but and so it did nothing wrong, really. So that's really why it's kind of a default. Yeah, no, don't disagree there. Easily they managed for two points. Now, one point will be a little bit controversial, whatever way you look at it. The only two names I could throw in there is Rashford for the moment of brilliance of the goal and his performance I think was okay no real mistake sort of thing but there's a part of me and again you can sort of argue with this but there's a part of me that wants to throw Bruno in there again as bad as he was there he is making the difference at the end of the day a goal and an assist um, it's a hard one I was actually wanted to give it a Rashford if I'm being honest um, I, but think, I, think I think Rashford purely... did probably perform better than Bruno to be fair to him yeah, and that's the thing. I think like oh, you almost want to give it to Bruno for the penalty because like we've we've complimented his genitals quite well in this podcast. But um, I think Rashford's performance was actually quite good. And you know what? He got caught offside a couple times with a few good finishes. He could have easily had a hat trick. Rashford just needs to time his runs a little bit better. But the first game in a while where he looks like he's finally got some match sharpness and some timing back, and that's two goals in two games. So I hope he can really kick on. Yeah, no, as I said, we've been very critical of Russia, but I was very happy with his performance. And um, look, definitely not, I don't want to make it a battle between the two, but at the moment this season, I think has looked a little bit sharper than um, Anthony Martial. But we will get into the um, Facebook comments. And George said, Mal- Malpay having the audacity to attempt a Penenka against us shows us how these days lesser teams don't fear United the way they used to. I thought that was brilliant. The way he was doing the fake crying celebration when he scored, and then he ends up at full time leaving the pitch in tears. I thought that that was um, beautiful to watch. Um, Rob says no three two ones for me. Um, or too late, Rob. We had done three two ones, but we did scrape okay. the barrel a little bit. But um, I can understand the frustration there. And Josh said Bruno summed it up really in the post match. No denying how poor we were and outplayed we were. But when it came to being when it came to being clinical, we were. Lovely Bruno assist and the composure from Rashford to put the two defenders on the floor shows a glimmer of the quality we have. Like Rob, I'm struggling for 3 2 ones, but would probably go for Rashford, Bruno and Maguire. So um, thank you, boys, for getting in touch. Now, we'll touch a little bit on transfers before we do the next Brighton preview. Um, by the time you're listening to this, maybe there is a certain tweet from Fabrizio Romano regarding Alex Tellez, the Porto left-back. 
it seems like it is all but done. Like the tele- the agreement between the player and the club is done. All that seems to be waiting on now is obviously United's official bid to go in for De Porto. Um, knowing United, that can take another three months to happen. But it looks like it is going to be done. Um, just your thoughts, or your latest thoughts on... Because we could have a thought about Tellez last week and the Luke Shaw development, how that's looking. But the football landscape changes so often. What's your thoughts now on the current need to bring in another left-back? Look, I definitely think it, it adds something to the squad. Um, and it'll just give us a little bit more flexibility. If, if you got to... Like, I was thinking about this because I know I was quite critical of this signing last week. But nothing against the player. I just think we need a centre-back. But... I was thinking about this, and the fact that Oli did revert to a three, three-man defence at times last season, and he played Shaw there, and you could definitely say Shaw actually had his best performances on the, as a left-sided centre-back as part of a three. So you just think maybe it just gives us a little bit more tactical fluidity, and Telas looks like a very attacking player. He's almost in that Trent Alexander-Arnold mould. He's got that long ball in him. He can cross, um, distributes the ball really well. So I think it could, it could definitely complement us from an attacking point of view, and I think the prospect of him and Rashford linking up is quite exciting. Um, defensively, I don't think it really makes too much of a difference. In fact, I'd probably say Shaw's a little more assured. Um, so, look, I think it's some much-needed competition. Brendan Williams can go on to the right where he's probably more natural. It makes it makes some sense in some parts, but then you know you just think in terms of the squad, you'd like to see us get a centre half, wouldn't you? But I guess until you see a a Smalling or a Rojo or Phil Jones leave, it's sort of hard to bring someone in in that area. Um, so you'd have to say any boost to the squad is great, but well, um, well, I think with, we need a bit our more business. Warrior, especially at centre half, we we saw Solskjaer last mm-hmm. season. Let's just assume we don't bring in a centre back. Would you be? I probably wouldn't be opposed. And again, I don't want to. As a Man United fan, I don't want to be seeing this every week. But I can see Solskjaer's thinking um, if it does come up. Last season, Luke Shaw performed very well in a three at the back on the left hand side. Do you think there's a scenario where they could potentially play Tellez at left wing back and play three at the back, play Luke Shaw in next to Maguire and let's say Lindelof or Abay with one Bissaka on the right hand side? Because last season, from memory, they caused a lot of frustration when we lined up with a three or a five at the back. But from memory, the performances were quite good, and we had some quite good results with it. I think it does actually complement us. If you think of the lack of pace that Maguire has, if you put Shaw next to him and Maguire as the central of the three, it protects his frailties because it puts the pace on either side of him. Um, and also, if you have Wan-Bissaka and, um, say, Telez there, it just adds some pace um, to the, the flanks as well. So, I mean, look, Wambasaka is not the most dangerous going forward. We've acknowledged that and are well aware of that. But I think with Telas, it'll just give perhaps a better balance to the squad if you did play with that back three. I think the issue was when we played with that back three, there wasn't a lot of uh, width coming uh, or attacking width, I should say, um, in that formation. But I think with Telas, it actually could be effective. I think it's a good system. And like you've said, we've played well in that before. So I think there's definitely a case for that. Um, so should we not get a centre back in? It just maybe gives Oli a little bit of tactical fluidity. Yeah, well, but by the time everyone's listening to this, Telez may well be holding up a United show. We don't know, but hopefully we have something to confirm or discuss a confirmation in the next podcast. But moving on to um, favourite of the podcast, Andreas Pereira. It looks like Lazio are in for him, and it looks like he will be going to Lazio on loan this season. And the negotiations at the moment are just about United trying to include an obligation to buy at the end of the season. Um, thoughts just about time? 
Yeah, well, mate, 27 million euros that recorded, oh, uh, reported oh, by it. If United did that, mate, that's good business. Um, but yeah, um, look, I think it is a good move for the player. It's a good move for United. He's clearly not going to get a lot of game time. Lingard looks like he will stay. So when you consider you've got Van der Beek, Bruno, Lingard, Mata all in front of him, he was going to get very little to no football. So good move for the player. I think I think Pereira's talented. I really do. Um, it's disappointing it didn't work out. And who knows, maybe he could go on and have a great season there. But I think his time at United's over. Um, I think it was clear last season when he got ample opportunity and... Yeah, good, a good deal all round. Well, weird one just to finish off now, and I have very mixed, well, very strong feelings, albeit quite a little bit mixed. Dan James to Leeds. Now, this is everywhere on Twitter. There's almost, okay, Dan James is off to Leeds. It's almost done. Have, I haven't seen anything really sort of credible and anything too reliable about it. But just your thoughts, because I, I don't know what to make of it, but your thoughts on just, well, let's just assume it's going to be a loan deal. What are your thoughts on dealing with Leeds in terms of a lot of... The way I said, why would you help them? A lot of pe- a lot of people just sort of stupid fans saying, "Oh, Dan James won't help them. We're not really helping them. We're technically weakening." Well, that's just bullshit. Okay, Dan, <laughs> Dan James could play. If Leeds want him, that's because they want to strengthen their team or strengthen their squad. I cannot get my head around why United would do that. Okay, Leeds aren't sort of at the top of the table. Well, kind of, they probably are above us in the table. I haven't looked at it, but they're not a City or a Liverpool or an Arsenal. They're not a direct rival or what you sort of think is a direct rival. But surely the club won't be going out and sort of gladly sort of strengthening leads. I'll be stunned if this happens. Um, I think a lot of it depends on what happens in terms of that right wing position, whether that's Jaden Sancho or another player. Um, I could see United potentially offloading him. Um, there could be um, there's there's some promising wingers um, in terms of what's below the first team at the moment. Now whether they're ready for the first team or not is another thing, um, and that's why I don't want to say names because that puts me up for criticism, and I'm not really up for that. But um, you'd have to say if we do get another winger, perhaps Ollie could play a different system. Um, it's a difficult one with Dan James. I, he He's like you just look at him and you think he could he could still become something. Um, but to Leeds, I, I think he's... everything you said is one hundred percent spot on. But to Leeds, okay, loan him to Aston Villa or to Brighton or to West Ham. But oh, maybe no. that interest isn't there, Tom. Um, and if Leeds won him, and at the end of the day, like you have to take the rivalry aside. Like United have done dealings with Leeds in the past, yeah, but um, we're, successful we're dealings. Best players. That's different. That's United going in, flexing their muscles, saying, "Okay, Rio Ferdinand, we'll take him. Eric Cantona, we'll take him. Alan Smith, we'll take him." That's not giving. Up. That's not trying to strengthen leads. That's weakening leads. Yeah, I'm with you. But at the end of the day, if there's a if there's a good if there's a good relationship between the club, and at the end of the day, if Oli doesn't feel like Dan James is in fact a strengthening to his squad. It's not going to be concerns, and the reality is, Tom, like they're not going to be challenging United's position in the top four. If United don't make the top four, it's not going to be because Dan James went to Leeds on loan. So I, I take your point, but I'm I'm not too not too salty about this one. If it was Anthony Martial going to Leeds, okay, we might have a problem on our hands, but. Look, I don't think Dan James has been good enough for United. Now, whether he is or not in the future is to be seen, but it could just be an opportunity for him to play regular football um, for a team that won't threaten us and maybe perhaps either prove himself or if he's not good enough, a chance for Oli to just say, you know, this gamble didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it is one to look at. I'm sure um, this will be one that maybe sort of rumbles on until deadline day. But my main thing, again, the future over him as a footballer, all the points are valid. 
I just like him as a person. I don't want to, because if he goes to Leeds, he's going to become public enemy number one and I'll be front of the queue. I won't like him. And I don't want that to be the case because I think he's a, he's a decent guy who I do wish the best. But um, fingers crossed he doesn't end up at Leeds. I don't mind where he goes, uh, but not to Leeds. But he does have history with Leeds. We've all seen the documentary of him signing for them that um, Swansea um, rejected it quite late on in the, on the deadline. But um, speaking of Brighton, which we seem to have been doing for the past two weeks, now we have a Brighton preview. League Cup. Is there anything you want to touch on the League Cup in terms? I think the main thing will be Pogba. In terms of, I think we all assume Dean Henderson will come in. He did well in the League Cup. He deserves his spot. I think that's almost a no-brainer. But the big one for me is Pogba and Van der Beek. Yeah, I think Van der Beek definitely does come in. Uh, he, you have to say, out of the bench players, he's the one most likely to push into the side. I think that's obvious. Um, but would you be playing Pogba it, for minutes, or yeah, you resting Pogba for Tottenham on the weekend? Personally, I'm playing him for minutes. I think he still needs some sharpness. There's just still that lack of timing in his performances at the moment. So I'd like to see him play. Maybe even if it's just one half of football, I would be up for him playing. And then hopefully if we're a goal up, you can just yank him off. Um, but whether I don't think Ollie will do that. I think he'll play Mc, probably McTominay and Van der Beek, you'd say, would come in here. Um or perhaps Fred. I could definitely see something between McTominay and Fred. One of those definitely start, if not both, and Van der Beek in the 10. Um, I could see Martial starting. Uh, he didn't start uh, in the last League Cup game, but considering his lack of sharpness, you'd think maybe it could be one where he gets a bit more game time. There doesn't seem to be a lot of trust with Igalo. He wasn't even in the matchday squad um, in the Premier League match. So... I mean, yeah, you think there's just going to be that balancing act, but more or less, it will be a rotated squad. Henderson will definitely be back in, and we'll, I'm sure we'll be debating De Gea and Henderson again uh, come our midweek podcast. So, yeah, it's still, it's still, and that's why every game's exciting at the moment, mate. There's just there's always going to be questions popping up until United are playing the football that we expect. Well, that, that's the you just mentioned there. A lot of people don't like the League Cup, but I, I love it. And I, one of the reasons I like it, it does throw up these uh, interesting... It's interesting little questions and scenarios where you think it just throws another player into the spotlight, which you may not have thought about. If someone performs well or someone performs bad, it'll change the outlook going into the weekend. So I really look forward to this League Cup, these uh, League Cup games. Um, just a shame it's against Brighton again. You would hope it would be a, um, a new opponent, but um, beggars can't be choosers. But um, yeah, we will be doing another review on Thursday, Sydney time, and obviously. I think the main thing that will um, sort of dominate that podcast will be the Jose Mourinho and Tottenham preview this weekend because Mourinho has already started his sort of so-called mind games. He's already trying to have little digs against Solskjaer. Um, it's a big game already coming up this early in the season to be playing Mourinho and Tottenham. It is. Um, I think it's... Uh, I'm actually glad Gareth Bale's not fit for this one. You could just Son, see him Son scoring. Might be out as well. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, they're saying he's going to be out for a little while. So... Good opportunity for United to get a result against a top four rival who looks like they're being weakened a little bit and didn't have the best result themselves this week. So if United can, if they're ever, if there's ever going to be a game time where they're going to be up for it emotionally and want to put in a good performance, you'd think this is the game. And um, I, is this at Old Trafford, this one? I guess it would have to be because Tottenham were at home last night and obviously United are away at Brighton. So if I'm putting two and two together, I assume it's at Old Trafford, yeah. Well, you could see Mourinho bringing a park the bus special, couldn't you? Um, so, look, it'll be the same old challenges um, that we do face, but and I think with those injuries, it, it is at Old Trafford. Um, so, look, if there's ever a, t- a time to turn up, 
you'd hope it's this one. And I'd like to beat Jose. I love the little mind games going on well, between would, Solskjaer. Would you love 1-0 Bruno penalty? Oh, how good would that be? And I want it in, the, I want it in injury time, please. <laughs> yeah, a controversial VAR decision. Um, that is how we like to do things at Man United. Um, I, I love one of those screenshots that had, like, when you get your little pop-up, pop-up notifications on your phone. It had Brighton 2, United 2 at full time. And then, like, five minutes later, <laughs> that 90 plus 10 Bruno 3-2. Um, you know what we pretty... should do, Tom? I think as a reward on this podcast... We, we, we'll we have to think of a competition and at the end of the season we'll actually make a, a home Manchester United kit the name on the back will be Penendez and the number will be the amount of penalties that Bruno has taken uh, in the season and uh, we'll just get it to one of our loyal listeners through some sort of competition what do you think of that? Um, if I win the competition I won't mind it well mate come on doesn't work that way no. but anyway we'll put that one on the back burner I think yeah, no, one for the future. The, the, the jersey issue I'm looking at is obviously Josh, one of our listeners and members of the Supporters Club, is obviously primed to get the Jaden Sancho shirt on the Zebra kit if um, Jaden Sancho does sign. But we will have the answer to that within a week or so. But um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Always enjoy doing a bit of a review rather than a preview because there is a lot more to talk about. And Again, I think this was... So many people were negative about the Brighton match on the weekend, but I thought we did well to scrape a few positives out of it and um, maybe show a little bit of perspective, which social media doesn't often do. But um, a pleasure chatting to you again, Larry. Now, hopefully, everyone is subscribed on their podcast app on um, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and make sure you're following on all our social medias. Um, Really appreciate all the support and feedback. And until Thursday, Larry, have a good week. And... um, Chat to you after Brighton. All right, you too, mate. Hopefully another win. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.